Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You My know. grandmother has the best single line for an ugly baby. I was with her once. Uh-huh. She was German. And um, we were Do we the ran accent, into – I will. We uh-huh. were – my Oma. We were walking down the street and uh, Mrs. Remack came by with her baby and it was the ugliest baby either of us had ever seen. And my grandmother said without a pause, oh, what a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been my line ever since. Hi, this is Suzanne Mushin. And this is Rachel Bello. And you're listening to The Big Payoff Podcast. So we're taping this show about eight days after the election. And for any of us who've been really grappling with our feelings afterwards, it it runs the gamut. Anger, frustration, teeny bits of hope and optimism, maybe not about the president, but just you know, maybe there's something good that will come out of this. But we've been struggling with it. And we well, figured going to come out of this is this podcast. And this is what we're offering. And the question that we're really thinking about today is when the world around you feels turned upside down and to a great extent, bad behavior has been rewarded. What do you do? How how do you behave in the world after that kind of, uh, to me, soul crushing Upheaval. But even if you weren't, you know, a Hillary supporter, the confusion of right and wrong and the argument between right and wrong was so stark in yeah. this election that it, I think it's deeply confused people about how to normalize and how to go back to their lives and find their North Star. Right. So and- I've been struggling with it because I've honestly, Suzanne, been having this recurring and it's not when I'm asleep. <laughs> assassination fantasy. Are you allowed to say that on a recorded podcast? I just did. But it's like uh, it's I I actually picture it. I mean, I've never done anything like it. I've never actually even fantasized about it, but it feels really good. And I don't experience all of the horror about murdering a person, a father, you know, that's deep. uh, Yeah. Yeah. My um, unconscious reaction is I've been having these recurring dreams, which you know I have at other times in my life, where I am punching people, physically punching people. In like I can feel my fist connect with somebody's face. Yeah, that's bullying. <laughs> that is bullying. But I think what it shows is 
there's this tendency to want to fight fire with fire and anger with anger and to seek revenge and to get back and to try to show the person who you're upset with what really is going on. Did you hear Obama say, I thought this was great. He was talking to his staff and he's like, I'm going to give you two weeks and then you're going to knock it off. Wow. Yeah. Because he knows that your your initial primitive, I was going to say immature, but it's even younger than that. It's primitive reaction is to just operate from your lizard brain, which is often the wrong thing. Right. And not going to make you feel better. That's the point. Exactly. So the question is, what will make us feel better? I mean, if the revenge fantasies and the physical, you know, inclination to really fight back doesn't work, then what will make us feel better? Well, Michelle Obama says, you know, when they go low, we go high, which, of course, is inspirational. But I'm listening to that going... Yeah, but, <laughs> but you don't get that rush from the f- – now, of course, it's like a drug. It doesn't last, that rush of behaving badly. And I, I think that we – I think that the connection we need to make more and remember for ourselves is the connection between doing the right thing and feeling happy – Yes. Right. I'm not going to do the right thing for some external moral reason. It's because it makes me feel good. And that's counterintuitive because it feels selfish to get something for yourself out of doing something for someone else. But I think we really need to talk about this today because it might just be the answer. I think it's always the answer to when you are in despair. I really do. I think Jesus wasn't stupid. Um, <laughs> thanks for thanks for that. Um, so speaking of Jesus, um, we've wanted to bring someone into the studio, and there actually is a connection to, to <laughs> Jesus sorry. here. No, the Jesus connection is going to come in a second. But speaking of Jesus, we wanted to bring someone into the studio today who is actually locked down on this principle of doing the right thing. I think he always has been. Well, that's but- what I want, I'm going to find out from. Our, our, our Jesus. Jesus. Um, and I want to ask the question of how do you arrive at that and do it consistently? What motivates you to do it? And I wanted to also find someone who's had a story recently of doing it where it really paid off. And, and, and guess what? We found someone in your genetic gene pool. <laughs> yes, well, amazing. he's actually the star of this podcast. The number of people who have said to me after listening to the podcast, like, oh, my favorite guest is your dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> um... Wow. Okay. (laughs) So we're going to have Arthur, the Ask Arthur segment, which so many of you know and love. We're going to bring Arthur into the studio. But before we do that, I just want to close out on what I understand to be the baby Jesus connection. So the story I was always told as a child was that my father was so ugly as a child that his mother, when she went out into the world, covered him up with a blanket so that people wouldn't look at his face. But that when his brother was born, she thought he was so beautiful that she would point out to people that she thought he looked like baby Jesus. <laughs> okay, just saying. I think about how well, that might play my, out. Okay, with, my, you know. my grandmother has the best single line for an ugly baby. I was oh. with her once. Uh-huh. She was German. And um, we were – we the ran accent, into – I will. We uh-huh. were – my Oma. We were walking down the street and uh, Mrs. Remack came by with her baby and it was the ugliest baby either of us had ever seen. And my grandmother said without a pause, oh, what a 
baby. (laughs) And that's been my line ever since. So what a father. (laughs) Let's bring um, my dad, Arthur Mushin, into the studio and find out why it's a good thing to do the right thing. We'll be back in just a minute. Hi there. Hi, Arthur. Rachel, good to see you finally. Good to see you. It's been ages. And actually, you are the pretty one. (laughs) (laughs) Are you comparing dad and me? (laughs) You know Uncle Alan. I'm comparing him with Jesus. Um, So, the day after the election, I put up a post on, on Facebook that was simply saying, I don't know what to say. I really am not quite sure how to even express what I'm feeling. But what I do know is for today, it's okay to do nothing. It's okay to be sad and just not feel that there's all this pressure to to do something right now. And you put a comment, as you sometimes do, because you're like one of those voyeurs on Facebook who doesn't post, but you kind of stalk people. You put up a very interesting comment. So just tell us what you said. You can paraphrase or read it. I said, at, at this moment, moment, I realize more than ever that I, what I need to focus on is controlling what I can control. That means relationship with friends, family, doing good, and making memories, as well as going to the Dairy Queen for a Heath Bar blizzard. <laughs> Wait, did they have Dairy Queen in Chicago? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, right near the South oh, I wish they though. had that in New York. I would, yeah. Mm. So when when Dad posted that, it's felt very authentic to me. Like that is, for me, your philosophy in general. Yeah, it's cultivate your garden. That's right. what, right? So how is that playing out now, Dad? I mean, do you have feelings like we do about punching people in the face? And I mean, how, how are you not feeling some of that? Because I, I, I don't feel that. I will say that my wife, Claire, uh, every morning gets up and wants to do that to somebody, but we're moving past that (laughs) um, because it's not productive and it doesn't solve anything and it doesn't make you feel better. So so have you always had that that understanding that doing the right thing is about feeling good? I'm not sure that. I'm not sure that's true because I can get uh, very angry. I can get upset with people, et cetera. Uh, so I'm not sure that that's correct. But certainly in this last year um, with, the, with the election, I think that that is kind of – that feeling has been crystallized. Well, you recently did something that was good and that not everybody would have done. You want to tell us your story about your good deed? Well, that's very interesting actually how that occurred. Uh, Claire and I were going out to dinner and we were going to a restaurant near the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago. And a fellow pulled out of a parking space. We pulled in right behind him. It was right at the entrance uh, to the zoo. Claire got out of the car on the passenger side and looked down, and there was a case. And didn't know what was in the case. Claire picked it up. And being totally sensitive and caring as I always am, <laughs> I suggested to her that possibly there might be explosives. <laughs> right. There. I would have thought the same thing. <laughs> and, you, and, you know, when you see something, you say something. Right. Yeah. Right. And so she picked it up and I moved about 20 feet away <laughs> because, because I didn't want to be there. And she opened up 
uh, this case and looked inside. It was dark outside, and she saw camera equipment. And there were there was camera equipment and some other things in there that we just didn't know. And we were going to dinner, so I said, "What are we, what are we going to do?" And we decided just to put it in the car, and we put a note on our car to give a telephone number in case this person came back. After about an hour of after an hour hour and a half, we came back. Uh, the card was still there, so we knew that somebody had not come back. At that point, Claire and I kind of visualized who this person was, and we concluded that it was probably a father or mother who had taken their child to Lincoln Park Zoo and putting the child in the car seat. They had simply left the bag there. Then we took the bag. Oh, we called the police then and asked if they had a lost and found or a registry, and they didn't even know what we were talking about. So we went home and unloaded the uh, case, and there was no identification in it, and there was a, a very expensive camera, a very expensive lens, filters, uh, there was batteries, and there were two what appeared to be hard drives. Oh, my God. The hard drive. I'm going to interrupt you for one second and ask you whether the thought of keeping it when you saw that this was a really good camera even flickered on your mind. Didn't even flicker on our minds. So we, we went home and looked through this bag, as I said, and realized we had something that was really special to somebody. We thought that the hard drive was a backup of the camera. Wow. And there was only about 5 or 6% of battery life left. So mm. we then decided, to fi- we tried to figure out what to do. We'd already called the police, as I said. We also called Lincoln Park Zoo, but they were closed, so that, that wasn't an option. Then we called various of our children. And Not me. I just yeah. wanted to Suzanne know. said, no. take it. They, they take must it. have clearly thought that I would have said, put it on Craigslist and sell it. <laughs> and that's what they did. They, but, one of them said, put it on Craigslist, not to sell it, but put it on Craigslist see. as a lost and found. Another said, take the um, serial number off of the camera and call Sony, which it was, Sony camera, call them the next day. Somebody else said, maybe we can do something on Facebook. And all, all of these different ideas, and we were willing to do anything. Because all we kept doing is visualizing this person. And now that we had seen the equipment, we didn't know whether it was a professional photographer or whether, in fact, it was an amateur. These were just his, his or her pictures. After breakfast, I said, let's go over to the Geek Squad at Best Buy. So we walked over to the Geek Squad and sat down there, and there was one person there. And I said to him, I want you to know you're going to do something very special today. You are really going to feel good. And he looked at us like we were absolutely crazy. And we told him what we had. And he said, how far away do you live? We said, a couple blocks. Fine. We went home, got the bag, and he opened it up and looked at it and said, wait a second. I got a Sony expert here, Sony camera expert. Let me bring him down. He brought the Sony expert down, and I said the same thing to him. You're going to join us in a really doing a really wonderful thing. These are almost the exact words. And he kind of smiled, and he took out the camera case, immediately looked at the serial number, got to Sony, found that it was not registered. So that, w- that was not a way we were going to find this person. Then he looked at the um, hard drives and realized that these were not hard drives for the camera. This was a person's entire hard drive off of his home computer, oh, and it was an Apple com- uh, computer. They then said, okay, we'll get the Apple people down. 
So they called two Apple people who came down from upstairs. We gave them the same story. We gave them the hard drives. And they then basically disappeared for 45 minutes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. came back with a picture of a calling card which had like a business the, card business card which had the person's name on it cell phone email address um, and uh, home address so where, where where did that come from it was off of the hard drive he had, oh. had he had taken a picture of, of his card of his card and just had it on his computer and it was he was a professional marketing uh, person so this was used in business as well so at that point, we were going to the movies, and uh, Claire sent an email and, t- and called the uh, number. We got out of the movie, it's probably 8 o'clock at night or so, got out of the movie, and there was an email response, yes, I lost my camera. Mm. Oh. At, that, at that point, we, we called them, and Claire, and Claire says, I think I'm the person you want to talk to. And he said, I think you're my angel. Didn't he say, how on earth did you find me? No, no. So he still doesn't know? Oh, yeah, he does now. Uh, uh. He does now. So then we went home, and we were just flying higher than a kite. You can't imagine. And Claire said that you were, like, jumping and hugging each other. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely Uh. extraordinary. So the... Uh, we this was now on this was now on Saturday. We arranged that was on Saturday. We arranged the next day to meet him, and he and his he and his wife and child came over to our apartment, and he told us that's exa- what we had said was exactly what happened. He had put his child in the car seat, left the camera case there, and came over. He gave us big hugs. We took pictures with the family, and then. Um, and then he gave us a, uh, a bouquet of flowers. We didn't open up the bouquet of flowers right away, uh, the card that was in it. And we got upstairs later, maybe an hour or two later, and the card said, you not only brought back camera equipment, you brought, I'm sorry, you brought back all of our memories, which oh. was absolutely the nicest thing anybody oh. could have said. The end of it was that we then knew we had to go back to Best Buy 
and we found the <sighs> we found the Sony man. And he, it was like he had won the World Series. Oh, he was so excited. Man. He wanted to see the pictures we had taken. He t- called over somebody else in the department and said, they found him. They found him. And wow. it was really special. And the impact, which was so interesting, when we count up the number of people involved in this, it's over a dozen people. And and everybody, obviously, who's heard the story thought it's been pretty good. And now millions of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is the best story and there and there is no like if i had managed to hire someone to assassinate donald trump there is no <laughs> feeling that would match the feeling that you're just describing it, it's been and it's absolutely lasted. unreal yes and it's and lasted, it's lasted. Yeah. absolutely has lasted so if we have takeaways for people from this you know first of all i think that you had to be pretty committed to do all that you did. And not just committed at an intellectual level. You had to have been feeling driven something, by something and driven yeah. by something. Right. I think that's absolutely correct. Because I don't think you just do – first of all, we all have – you know, no matter how our lives are, you're busy with other priorities. So there had to have been something along the way that was rewarding for you. But I also think that it's part of a pattern of knowing that when you do the right thing – and maybe even particularly in small ways, that the feeling that you get afterwards is worth all of the effort, anything you might have otherwise decided to do. And I wonder if that makes you a less cynical person. I don't think of you as cynical. I don't think I, I don't think I'm cynical. Well, you know what's interesting about what, the word cynical, about using the word cynical? So someone once said to me years ago, when I was describing something, said, wow, you're one of the most cynical people. And I said, cynical? I don't think of myself as cynical. What do you mean by cynical? And they said, I mean, you don't make the connection between doing the right thing and being happy. And I went, oh, that's interesting. I guess that is cynical. Wow. Yeah. But I do now. That was when I was very, very young. <laughs> no, no, I do now. And it was so 2012. <laughs> <laughs> That's not very nice. So let's bring this full circle and just say, I think when people have the choice right now of either being angry, being frustrated, feeling helpless, that if you do, to some extent, collapse your world, instead of trying to think about the bigger picture and politics and the presidency and all of that, Maybe there's something in here for people listening that is much more about what's within your own sphere of control, sphere of influence. What are the things that you might do over the course of the day that might... Not not to change the electoral college, but to act in your community, and which is what Obama said. He said, look at your communities, do something that's meaningful to you. And then he said, and I know a little bit about that, right? Yeah. And... And that really acting locally in the way that you can. And what really strikes me about Arthur's story is, in fact, the effort it took to do that piece of good is equally balanced. It's directly relative to the reward, right? Directly proportional. So if he hadn't spent that much effort to do the right thing, he wouldn't have felt as good as he did. It really... Go out of your way to do something good for someone and you will feel better 
about the national result. If I can just add that the opposite is also correct. The, true to the extent that if you don't do good, your remembrance of the good experiences makes you feel bad, and it's like a, a mental check. This morning I got an unsolicited call on the telephone from from a guy trying to sell insurance, and I was not nice. Yeah, you don't like that. I don't like that at all. It was an invasion. I wasn't nice to him. And I, to this minute, feel bad. I have felt badly yes, about that. Yes, it's so true. It's, it's a, a hangover. Recheck. It's a recheck. It it's absolutely. But we're going to cut that part out of this podcast because you're Jesus. <laughs> right? We don't want to have any any tarnish on, on the Arthur. Dad, thanks for coming in uh, and telling us It's always the story. fun. Thanks, guys. We'll be back in just a minute. Make peace on earth with my own two hands. And I can clean up the earth. Lord, with my own two hands. And I can reach Rachel, after I heard my dad's story, I did something that I had been putting off. And I was so glad that oh, I did it. Oh, you returned the stolen equipment. <laughs> no, 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 no. When a Tribune article came out about me a couple weeks ago, lots of very nice, it's so great to see in the paper, etc. But a woman called me who was, I'm going to say she sounded like she was in her 70s, or, you know, maybe even early 80s. And she says to me, Hi, my name is is Rana, and my father, who's a little over 100, read your story in the paper, and he has a business idea that he'd like to share with you. And he's not on email, and I'm just wondering if you'd give him a call. It would really be meaningful to him. So I emailed her back, and I said, I'm happy to give him a call. I don't know if it's the kind of thing where we should schedule it because I'm hard to reach. And she said, he's not really good like that. So just let him try to call you. And if you can call him back at any time, please do. So about two weeks ago, I did get a call from him. And to be totally honest, so I wasn't, I didn't pick up the phone, not because I knew it was him. I just didn't pick up the phone. I kind of forgot about it. Mm. I mean, I went about my day and I had heard the message and I hadn't really circled back to it. And I did write myself a little note, like return his call. And after I heard my dad's story, I thought, come on. I mean, make the call. It'll Is take. He dead? No, he's not dead, Rachel. Oh, I just want to know where the punchline is. God, the punchline is. Rachel. He's a hundred, you say. Okay, the punchline is two days ago I called him back and he was so lovely. He had a health care um, in, invention that was for men with prostate cancer. I never fully got exactly. I don't know if he was maybe not trying to give away the, the IP, but he told me about it. We maybe spoke for, I'm going to say, 15 minutes. I gave him a little bit of advice. He was so sweet. He thanked me for the call. We hung up. And this morning, his daughter, it's so funny to think of her as his daughter, because to me, she seemed like a grandma, which she probably was, wrote me the nicest email and said, he's I did. No, he's not dead. <laughs> No, he's alive and well. Good Lord, Rachel, you are cynical. And she, and she said, um, I just want you to know my father said that you returned your call, his call, just as you promised me you would. And it really made his day. Oh, it meant cry. so much to him. Oh. And he will remember it always. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate oh. you doing that. And again, I thought like it was so nothing for me to do that. You know, it was 15 minutes of, of my day. And I'm so glad I did it. 
So let's help others feel that way because there really is nothing that inflates your heart more than than doing that. And I really, it really, it's really great to hear that. So I think that that what we can do in this time where it feels as if things are deeply confusing and they didn't go your way and as President Obama said, disappointments that are unexpected are much, much worse than the ones that we expect. And this was an unexpected disappointment for a lot of people. And I think what we do is instead of trying to fight that disappointment, look to do something beautiful for somebody who's not related to you, where it takes you a little bit out of your way. It can really be going to a local shelter. It can be going to an animal shelter, just doing something good that puts that glow back in your heart at a moment when it feels as if the light is gone. Yeah. You know what the difference in I'm so glad you just said it that way. There were two movements on Facebook about donating to Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. One was donate to Planned Parenthood in Mike Pence's name because then it'll come back to him and it'll get all these emails and it'll irritate him so much. And the other movement, which was actually your daughter Lily's, was make a donation to Planned Parenthood in Hillary's name because it'll make her feel so good. And I think the takeaway from this show is, you know, screw the Mike Pence. You know, is that going to really make you feel good thinking about the fact that he's going to get some email? with Right. Well, this is the thing that Arthur brought up that I thought was so interesting. So doing something that in the short run is vindictive or not very nice, has not only no radiating impact of good feeling, but that radiation during the day, as Arthur said, is bad. bad. It feels bad, like a bad taste in the back of your throat, whereas doing something good radiated outward to all those guys at Best Buy and to the people upstairs. To anybody listening to to the show. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, look, do the right thing for the right reasons, and that's it. We'll be back to the big payoff next week. If you like what you heard, you can find us at BigPayoffRadio.com, on iTunes, on the Acast app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, please rate and review us. It matters. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.